0: with your help we can continue to fight for freedom reach new audiences and bring important information to the public free of charge this is not possible without your generosity join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today simply go to tntradio.live this is mind medicine on today's news talk tnt radio hello everybody welcome to
1: the mind medicine program i'm charles coves your host i'm Australasia's passion provocateur, and I've been a passion provocateur for 30 years. So I consider me one of the world's experts on this wonderful resource that each one of you has, that certainly the founders of TNT Radio have in spades their passion for bringing to you truth, for bringing to you truth without political correctness or wokeness and no censorship. So it's a wonderful place to be. Well done for being here. This show is all about your mental health and health of all description. And my guest this week is Mark Worthington, author of two books, um, Corporate Guru in the Audit Space, who then left that corporate space. So I look forward to my conversation with him. This show is all about how and why mind matters. And how to keep yours in great shape i want to provoke new ways of thinking about life about your life and life generally we discuss insights into mental health issues into spiritual issues into health issues of all descriptions and to that end i will invite you to think about what does it mean for you to be healthy what is your definition of health my definition is based on the wonderful Hungarian word for health, which means wholeness, being whole. So health is the unique optimal balance for you of mental, physical and spiritual elements. And when you, in your unique ways, balance that, you are what I call healthy. So this show will help you achieve that optimal balance of those three elements. This show is also brought to you in association with Mind Medicine Australia. And that organisation is just celebrating its fifth anniversary of founding, and it was founded to enable people all around the world to get access to psychedelic drugs generally, and particularly psilocybin and MDMA. And the great news is that in Australia since the 1st of July 2023, after four and a half years of work, those two psychedelics were approved for prescription or prescribing by psychiatrists now, part of, you know, part of the problem is that I, I read last just last week that there's an eighteen month delay in Queensland for getting access to a psychiatrist. But nevertheless, the door is open. Mind Medicine Australia is doing great work, and people who have been on pharmaceutical drugs with mental health problems for many years without progress now have a new pathway to getting healthier. Go visit the website mindmedicinaustralia.org.au and I commend the founders of that organisation, Tanya De Jong and Peter Hunt. We also talk about passion here, passion and its impact on your life and your health. And when you are pursuing your passion, it reduces your mental health problems. Why? Because passion comes from your soul. Passion is a source of unlimited energy from your soul. And so when you come from that place, your mind does not dominate your life. And when you think about the, the, the spectrum on which we live life between love from our soul and fear from our mind, the more you come from your heart space, from your soul space, the less that fear dominates your life. So... Come and watch this program, share this program, share TNT Radio generally with people to come and be inspired to discover passion and often to be inspired to give away security, the security of a job you hate, to pursue what you are truly passionate about. Now, I'm in Melbourne. It's 7 p.m. Sunday night in Melbourne, Gold Coast, where TNT Radio was founded. It's 6 p.m in LA it's midnight on Saturday night so thank you for those of you who are listening live and by the way of course welcome to all those watching a recording it's one that's the wonderful thing about TNT radio it's all all the shows can be listened to even if you can't see it live in uh, in the UK it's 8 a.m Sunday morning. so as I said my guest Mark Worthington I will introduce him shortly but a couple of matters I want to comment on. Rainer Vollmich who I know personally German US lawyer who has been languishing in a German jail on a corporate on a corporate uh, dispute should have been released on bail I accuse the German government of torturing Rainer Vollmich He's a 65-year-old lawyer of torturing him in jail, and the definition of torture includes mental torture. And for those of you who know people suffering from mental health issues, you well know that in many cases, mental torture is far worse than physical torture. So his trial started on the 1st of February in the German courts. I have had some reports on it, and I urge you all to take an interest in it and to hold the German government to account. Now, you know I'm big on health, and one of the problems that we have in Australia and the Western world is the dominance of big pharmaceutical companies in the health system. For those of you who are students you will understand of, of the health system, you'll understand that in 1910 or thereabouts, J.D. Rockefeller brought in allopathic medicine to take over from homeopathic medicine, from integrative medicine from unique to you medicine. And protocols were developed. And you look at how do we get sucked into this big pharmaceutical model? Well, I did an analysis, as I do every six months, of the Australia Day Honours. And you can quote me on these numbers. In the Australia Day Honours of the 26th of January 2024, there were 739 honours given To Australians 739 all over Australia of those 225 went to people in the medical health industry 225 that's 30 percent of all honours went to those in the medical profession and as a percentage of the adult population the health professionals comprise less than 5%. In fact, they comprise 4.7% of the adult population, and they got 30% of the awards. That's the way that people get manipulated to believe that doctors and professors of medicine can all be relied upon. They are six to seven times overrepresented in the Australia Day Awards. I say it's corrupted. I say it's designed to fool you into thinking that you should never question a doctor. And Mark Worthington, my guest, he's also had experiences about doctors who who don't want to think broadly, but think very narrowly. We might have time to cover what he talks about. Now, the pharma protests are continuing in Australia, but around the world. So in Germany, in Italy, and I think that's a wonderful thing, the whole climate emergency scam is finally being unraveled. There is no climate emergency. We've certainly got to protect our environment, but there's no climate emergency. And to attack farmers and to take away their land and to claim that methane from cows and we've all got to eat bugs is a fraud, is a nonsense. Now, in Australia, I've I've got the Australian newspaper from yesterday. Look at this, from the inquirer section. There's a big section here. Killing fields fear solar will destroy locals' livelihoods. And the uh, area of solar that's planned for Australia is disgusting. So please, everybody, take an interest in this. And to show you how many people are aware of it, there's a big demonstration happening in Canberra on Tuesday, this week, Tuesday the 6th of February. For those of you who can get to Canberra who are not happy about the coverage of Australia's agriculture with solar and wind facilities, it starts at 10am, in as it's a peaceful rally in the front of Parliament House in Canberra. I urge you to support that process. The other thing I want to mention on this question of, of development, of protecting the environment. That's a good thing. But also on the front page of The Australian on Friday, and and I've been observing this very carefully, green activism, legal challenges threaten $10 billion in gas projects. We've had the Environmental Defender's Office funded by the federal government claiming that the spirit of Wales Aboriginals are claiming this. One Aboriginal, in fact, is stopping a multi-billion dollar offshore gas development because the spirit of the whales will be distressed. This is fraud writ large. The problem is there are judges who are playing along with this fraud. I call fraud. I call activist judges. I call on our legal system to properly apply the law. Okay. That relates then to the principle that the science is never settled. Everybody, when someone says to you the science is settled, you know they're fraudulent. The science is never settled in any field. And I urge you, and TNT Radio has been founded on the principle of free thought, free speech, truth, so do not comply against your will. If you don't want to do something, do not do it. Spread the news about TNT. And I urge you in the, in this Mind Medicine program to choose to be happy. Don't wait for circumstances to be perfect. You can be happy in the midst of handling the problems because everyone has problems. And you. I'm sure you all know people who have problems and yet are happy. It can be done. You don't have to wait for the absence of problems. And Mark Worthington, he's written a book called Where Your Happiness Hides. So I'm sure he'll be able to unpack some of or we'll be able to debate those thoughts that I have about being happy in the midst of problems. Choose the TNT news. Contact me by email, charles at covest.com. If you have any questions in the chat while we're live, please, you're most welcome to put them in. And you can have a look at my weekly Charles Covest show, which is available on Rumble, on YouTube. So, Mark Worthington, let me tell you about Mark. I have known Mark for many years and his personal background is that he is now single five adult children unlike me you so see he's only been married twice but i've been married successfully three times and i'm currently married for the third time with my wonderful wife julie lives in sydney enjoys sports nature fitness economics writing world affairs and exploring spiritual awareness and he was a former partner of kpmg in audit and advisory CFO, CRO of three large Australian insurance and fund management business. And he and he was the former head for eight years of the head of audit reporting directly to the board of CBA. He left all that behind four years ago on his spiritual journey, on his mind medicine journey. And he's written two books, Where Your Happiness Hides and Show Me the Harmony, his second book, and he's presently writing his third book. And Mark, welcome to the program. And we've got five of these to give away. You can have your choice. If you send an email to me or put it in the chat with your will, Mark will happily autograph it and send it to you. Mark, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you, Charles. And well and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners tonight and your viewers.
1: Well, well done on your journey. So what's what's the big project that now, and I really, you know, I invite you, we'll, we'll unpack, we'll go back into your background, but what's your, well, in fact, I'll read it out to you, and I'd love you to explain a little bit more, you know, what you now want to do, what you now want to do is to let corp, big corporations and leaders and individuals dive into their spirituality. Can you tell us why and what that means? Well, I
2: think In my life, I went through a whole lot of highs and lows. My life was a roller coaster. And in my early 50s, I had some really, you know, heartbreaking times. And I I turned to face my pain. I'd had enough of failure or what do you want to call failure? And so I turned to face that pain. And at that very point in my life, a whole lot of things started opening up for me, which were beyond what I, I, current, what I understood at that time. So I, I had a whole lot of metaphysical experiences, which I couldn't explain. And as I've got delved deeper and deeper into that over the last nine years, um, it's been a wonderful journey for me in terms of finding my own soul, my own heart and who I really, really am, what I am, not, not just what I thought I was. And I was living a life that was a bit of a lie. And some listeners may align with this, where they they realize that they're living the life that others expected of them and they weren't necessarily choosing that life. They were, in a sense. But they, they weren't. I wasn't really. I was... I was being what my parents thought I should be, what others thought I should be, what I saw on TV. Uh, and I really didn't know the truth of me. And this very deep journey that I've been through now for nine years and the experiences I had, they shook they shook me into a place of going, I've got to understand this because there's a whole lot of really amazing things happening to me, through me, around me. And they're casting a lot of doubts in my mind. Well, what am I? Who am I? And, and what I've found is so uh, intensely freeing that I wanted to. I want to share that with other people, and I want them to understand. At least it gives them the option. It gives them the choice that they can make as to how they live their life. I'm not saying my way of living is the right way. I'm saying that there's much more to you as a person and to your life than you probably understand, because self-awareness is the journey that I want to teach people to go on. And part of that self-awareness journey is interacting almost every minute of the day with the universe. It's teaching me things. It's showing me things, and it's um, showing me things about myself. I didn't understand that till I was 53.
1: Um, Yeah, 53, hey, 53 years, well, you know, well, Of course the question is how long we're meant to live um we're going to come back to that as to how why that realization took you know took that much in time we've got to go to a break and it's wonderful to have you all here i'm charles Coves, my guest is mark worthington and this is the mind medicine program we'll be
0: back shortly tnt's bruce de torres the who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by merrill nass just a minute about this this report is designed to help readers Think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population, populations. We start with a history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic. Eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce De Torres on today's news talk, TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live the conversation continues. I don't believe it. And I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the program. My
1: guest is Mark Worthington, author, coach like me. I'm an executive coach. And we were saying before the break that it took him 53 years to awaken. Mark, what's the What's the difference between the transformed Mark Worthington and who you used to be, and by the way, very successful in the corporate world and, you know, earning lots of money? What's the difference between the current Mark and the pre-transformation Mark?
2: The, The big difference is I understand myself and I know what I am and who I am. And when I say what... When people say, do you know yourself, the natural inclination is to think, yes, of course I do, I know myself. Who who wouldn't know themselves? But when I talk about the self, the self is the soul, and the self is my connection to the universe. And what I realized up until the year 53 of my life, I simply didn't know who I was. I didn't actually know what I believed in. And you were actually the first person in my life who ever asked me that question. What do you believe in, Mark? And I remember sitting there, and my response was, I have no idea. Because I was like a robot going through a remote control process of being what I thought I should be. And then when I hit this bad period in my life, but also this metaphysical metaphysical explosion that happened in my life, I started to... Realise that I had to face things. I had to take responsibility for my life. Things had gone wrong. I could blame other people, other events, things that occurred. But I realized I was getting what I needed, and therefore I needed to face that pain and take responsibility for it. And that's when I started to delve into the truth of me. What did I really believe, you know, when my divorce came and went, I realized there'd been a whole lot of things said about me by my ex-wife. And and I actually didn't ignore those. I faced those and went, you know what? A lot of those are true. And why do I believe those? And then I found the pattern that I was what I was brought up to be. I I didn't consciously choose my life. I chose to be what I was expected to be. And then I found I've literally gone through probably or 5,000 beliefs over the last nine years that were limiting my life. And and the reason I wrote that first book was it contains what I think are the top 22 beliefs, but I found hundreds, and I found in myself thousands. Um, And once I started to face those beliefs and change them, my life changed with that process, and I became happier, more relaxed, and actually things started to turn out because you know, as Albert Einstein's credited as saying, your awareness is, you know, it caps or determines your level of success. It determines what you're capable of. If you don't, if you're not aware of something, if you're not aware there's a bus coming, it might knock you over. So I, that was me stepping in front of the bus time and time again until I realized, well, actually, I'm caused this. So I'm going to take responsibility for it. That's the big difference in me now. So, what would happen?
1: So you were the you were the head of audit at the Commonwealth Bank. And the banks, just now, this week, there's been a celebration, if you like, or a commemoration of the Hain Royal Commission. And just for those, it's interesting, I've known Ken Hain since the 70s when, when I was practicing as a lawyer. I was a I was a lawyer at the biggest law firm in Australia at the time. And then I became head of commercial law in due course of the 10th biggest law firm in Australia. And Ken Hain, I've known personally. And so the banks came out very badly in the Hain Royal Commission. So, Mark, looking at the banking sector, well, don't don't go so much to the accounting sector because you've you've left that left that a little bit behind. But what would it be like? Would it would banks what, what would it be like working in banks if more people were like you or if leaders of the teams in those banks understood what you're sharing with us? What's your vision of the type of workplace because the view that's often seen is big big bank leaders go oh no we just got to be hard and you got to drive these people and you you've got a different message for corporate leaders
2: yeah look the first thing i'd say about commonwealth bank was i'd never worked with leaders who were so high in quality in in intellect in abilities that would be regarded as the elite in our society; these people were super intelligent. But what I found in my thirty-five years in commerce, and particularly in that, you know, in in various companies, was that the the a lot of the leaders didn't really understand themselves. They 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 were what they were brought up to be. They were trained to be what they were, and they didn't really question that. And a Commonwealth Bank had a culture that everyone followed. You know, you the leaders set the culture. The leaders determined the way things are. So things tended to be very, um, you know, they didn't change that much. And I suppose I, I was always a bit different as a leader. I was very, I was always seen as someone who was very people-oriented. I believed in creating harmony in my teams and that was and, my and number By the one. way,
1: that's the name of your second book. Yeah. Show me it's the fine. Yeah, well Show um, Me the Harmony. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Love it. Yeah. a lot of other leaders were more focused on outcomes, focused on doing, focused on the results. I was focused very much on the input. If we if we have a culture and a, and an organization that's got and within my teams, we became world leaders multiple times in my experiences because I created an environment where people could come to work every day and be authentically Hang on, hang on, themselves. stop there.
1: How do you mean you became world leaders? Did, was there an assessment ah, process for, for yeah. audit teams, for example?
2: In the, in the audit, in the CBA audit team was benchmarked by Ernst & Young twice against all their known audit clients around the world. Pricewaterhouse did the same. Uh, and they rated us the top audit team in the world, which, okay, we're the biggest in Australia, so we should be the best in Australia, but... No, 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 we'll, no size
1: uh, doesn't guarantee we'll, quality.
2: We'll, well, we had a lot more money, perhaps, but um, the the overseas banks were huge with big audit teams, and in the end, they were looking at us for, a reason, you know, for advice and how to... How to and okay, we did so... Some,
1: so, so that's a big thank you. That's a big credit to you, you know, that you won this award. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. So you focused on inputs, not outcomes.
2: I focused on providing the environment where people could walk in that door every day and be uniquely themselves. And they could get on with each other. They knew they could trust me and the other leaders. I'm not saying it was perfect, but we created an open atmosphere where there was communication and and care. Care's a big word here, which I think a lot of people in the big corporate worlds would not say exists in the cultures they're in. And I still interact with people who are still in these cultures, and they they all say to me, you know, these places are harsh. We we still don't know whether we're going to have a job next week, next month, and, and that's happened to me. Um, because the loyalty needs to run both ways and and sometimes it does not um, and that's because it is incentivized to get results results matter uh, it's short-term thinking and I didn't find I worked with too many leaders. there were as I said the IQ was exceptional their EQ was not something that was necessarily valued as highly when and you remember when I Maybe was at one of my other my, my other businesses. Whenever these they did these disc reviews or whatever they call them, I was always on the opposite side of the disc to everyone else, and everyone looked at me and go, "Oh, you're a bit." And I felt bad about this. I'm a bit strange, but in the end, it it you know I was rated very highly from a leadership perspective, and it just seemed to be largely natural in me to be low ego in the office, not necessarily at home, but you were a big part of this you you actually helped me develop myself but um i think i was you know pretty low ego when it came to my business involvement i cared about people people mattered to me Mm. more than almost i mattered to myself
1: i love it the the care the care factor is pretty pretty powerful and, and thank you for that acknowledgement i did work dear viewers and listeners with mark over the journey and we talked a lot about passion and and beliefs, and you know the care factor that Mark is talking about is not the other type of care factor. C A R E. Mark, remember what that stands for: Cover, Ass, Retain, Employment. <laughs> you see the the total the total antithesis of taking responsibility. Because in these big enterprises, and of, of, you know, you, you say you've learned to take responsibility. What happens to people in most companies who are willing to take responsibility? You know, do they get rewarded for taking responsibility, or do they get thrown out of the place?
2: Oh, look, a lot of people who the organisation will identify those that are prepared to take responsibility, and they're the ones that often get loaded up with the work, and and so they'll end up burning out. Um, you know, you can get at these big organisations where you get people who've been there a long time; they become somewhat institutionalised. They don't want to take responsibility for the team collectively um you get the people who walk in the door and there's there are a lot of them who you know i think most people turn up for work and they really want to make a difference they are genuinely committed to their work then they're disappointed because they find the organization doesn't necessarily care about them at the end of the day there's a lot of talk about values there's a lot of talk about balancing things but at the end of the day if the profits don't meet the expectations that is the holy decision. People end up suffering as a result of that. Often,
1: yeah, it's very. It is. It is a big, big burden that we pay in tossing people out unthinkingly because many times their performance is a function of the poor leadership that you've been talking about. And and many people, it's, it's like medicine, as I said at the top of the show. Treating everybody the same is madness, and so as a leader, then. How do you cope with that? And and Kevin Sheedy in Australian Rules Football, many, many football coaches in their journey have realised that you cannot treat all players on your team the same way. So, Mark, how then, you know, do you, how did did you as a leader, talking about your practical experience, deal with this problem of big organisations having rules and then treating people in the way that they needed to be treated because of their unique needs, and each one of us has them. What was your answer to that dilemma?
2: Uh, I was able to create an island, I think, within these big organisations where I created the culture I wanted uh, and I protected my people from the culture that was outside that environment. Well, I think one of the big things I did was I always saw a disruption or an issue or a problem as an opportunity for us to grow to come back to a place of being better. So if something went wrong, you know, in in a lot of these organisations, when something goes wrong, you end up in this blame game. Everyone's in shock. There's a blame going, going on. People get worked to death to try and fix it. But the ultimate goal is to get rid of the problem. I always took the view that if there was a problem, then we should see that. People used to say to me, why do you get so excited when things go wrong? You're crazy. And I used to say, well, I love this because we learn from this. And we actually, I want to come out of this as a better team, not, and with no blame. There's no intention to sack anyone. Um, There's an intention to learn from this. So I'm big on learning. I'm big on, and this is what I've done in my personal life, which is why I wrote that first book. I'm learning. I learned to learn. From pain. I, it's an indicator for me of something needs to change. And I take took that, I was probably more evolved in my work environment than I was in my personal life because I took that into my work environment much earlier than I did into my personal life. And
1: that's it. Yeah, that's because that's, I, mm, that's that's I was interesting. trained.
2: Well, I had people like you to help me, I didn't have that at home. Mm. Um,
1: so let's talk We're, about your let's talk about your personal health journey because I think that's very instructive as well. In, in you know, we people do have health problems, they have mental health physical problems. You had some pretty major health problems. Just give us a touch of how difficult that was and for how long, and then what you got out of that.
2: Okay, so I'm 62. At the age of, of 19, I started to develop a very severe muscle disorder which caused every muscle in my body to cramp, it was hell. And it just caused so many problems in my body. And the doctors told me that eventually I would die. This is because my heart would seize. Um, It would stop working. There was no known cure for this. I went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and I was told there's no known cure. Then I found a doctor who actually diagnosed it. He had a big long name called Deficiency of Functional Occlusion Syndrome, which was basically meant my head was the wrong muscular structure, which was causing my whole body to start cramping. Um, and he diagnosed it, but then he got kicked out of the medical system because he was not teaching what he was taught at university. So I was left alone again. Well, I had some help. But the interesting thing for me was I realized that this muscle disorder was, again, something I was causing. Hang on, that's a big,
1: Mark, that is a big, big insight. Just say that word again. I realized my muscle disorder was being caused by me. That's pretty profound, isn't it?
2: I was the architect of it, unknowingly because of my subconscious beliefs. So I was living out of alignment with my truth as a person because I actually didn't know what it was. Therefore, I was under this pressure, this stress every day of my life because just about everything I was doing, I wasn't happy with ultimately. I realized down the track. So when I was in my late 40s, early 50s, I went through this process of going back and reevaluating a lot of these things that occurred in my life. Had I had the guts to do this or the where it all to do this when I was younger, I probably would have solved this problem much earlier, but I didn't understand that pain was an indicator I needed to face. So when I was in my 50s, I learned to talk to the pain. What are you telling me? So every time it would come, I would sit, call it meditation, I would ask it, what are you showing me? What is the belief here that I'm, how do I find peace in this situation? And I would get the insights, and then I would change the beliefs or the situation or the thoughts, and the disease started to go away gradually and surely. So I had this disease for 37 years, and it was… This is 37 years of pain? Of intense pain, 24-7. I couldn't control my body at times. I was… And one of the things I did was hide this. You know, well, there was no known name for it. So I couldn't, you know, the doctors couldn't tell me what it was. So in the office or in my personal life, I hid it. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't say to people, I'm I'm six foot seven and I'm a big athletic person, but I've got a disease. I don't know what it's called. So I, I hid it. I suppressed my disease and I suppressed the things that were causing it because I didn't know what was causing it. But eventually I found what was causing it was me not knowing myself and not living the life I loved. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, that's a
1: beautiful, that's a beautiful point to stop at. We've got to go to a break, but you found that you weren't being true to you and your body was reacting accordingly. Great insight. We'll be back after this break with Mark Worthington and I'm Charles Coves and great to be with you
3: give me a minute with tnt radio's steve Malsberg. last week when Corinne jean pierre was asked about the position of joe biden when it comes to late-term abortions she had the phony rhetoric ready to go what i will say is
0: majority of americans majority of americans wants to see their rights protected wants to see women have their rights protected Wants to be able to wants want women to be able to make those deeply, deeply personal decisions on their bodies, on their own, not politicians. That's what majority of Americans want to see, and so the president's going to stand with majority of Americans on this issue. Do those unborn babies have any rights? Then I'm not going to get into that specific. I'm not going to get into that question.
3: Rights for unborn babies? What are you mad? (laughs) But let's take a look at how Americans really feel about the issue of abortion. This is from Gallup. May of last year, only 34% of Americans believe abortion should be legal under all circumstances. 34%, a majority, 64% say limited circumstances or not at all. And in the same poll, only 22% of Americans believe third trimester abortion should be legal at all. It just shows that Corinne Jean-Pierre and her leftist buddies are a bunch of liars. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Even the mighty might not see it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. But you can escape. Take the one minute. Pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org.
0: Exploring solutions to the mental health crisis. This is Mind Medicine on today's News Talk TNT Radio welcome back to the program my guest is mark Worthington
1: coach transformational coach author former bank auditor and mark is an author of two books mark what what are you gonna what are you offering to our viewers and listeners with your books
2: I was offering the the first five viewers to write in could have whichever version they want
1: so the first A, one is the one.
2: blue the, the blue book is um, the first one i wrote which is about finding your own personal happiness understanding yourself because what blocks you finding yourself is your mind your mind tells you all these things that aren't true and unless you actually look at the conditioned beliefs that you have many of which you inherited in your life then you you're not clean in a sense you're not you're not true to who you are and you know i it's interesting um if you, th- if you say, how did I learn to be like this? You know, for the last nine years, the greatest thing I've done is unlearn. Mm. I have learnt what I've not. By virtue of cleaning my belief structures, I have learned what I've not because what I thought I was was causing me a lot of pain because it was a falsehood. So I've gone through release- releasing my poor belief. And it's heart. a
1: wonderful example, isn't it, of the link between your thoughts Thoughts which were false caused physical pain with your muscles.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. So I, I've been unlearning who I thought I was. <laughs> it's just and, been, and the
1: second and the second book,
2: the second book is my view on consciousness. You know, as I said before, I think a lot of corporates have a culture that people do not enjoy. They suffer within it. They do it because they have a mortgage; and they have to pay it, but they actually can't wait for the weekends or, you know, the the holidays to get away because they don't. Even though they might like their job, they don't love it, and they don't love being there. So I, you know, I, I've written a book that will help more the up and coming leaders who are about to embark on a new world. I think that younger generation, particularly, are looking for leaders with a heart. They're looking for leaders who. Uh, can create a dynamic environment for them to work in, one that they can enjoy and be the uniquely themselves in, but one that also has a unity or a harmony within it that people can express themselves within. Um, and the team can go beyond because people are—it's the old adage about you know you can a good team will always be a good group of individuals. So you know I, what I've done is written the book from my experience, and others would have different perspectives on what the leaders of the future that, that the younger people are looking for or the people in the workforce are looking for. The, the more mature, successful leaders, you know, for a lot of them, they're moving towards retirement. They're not looking to change now. They're, they've been the elite and they've done well. Um, and I'm trying to change anybody. I'm just trying to offer a different perspective on what leadership can be if a leader understands themselves, if they're the robot acting out what they've seen before, or what their ego tells them they need to do to make money or be the king, you know that that's how they'll they'll behave in that way. That they're unconsciously behaving. The conscious leader has has a whole lot of advantages over the unconscious leader. They can choose how they behave with people, and they understand through their intuition what their outcomes are going to be from behaving in that more positive way.
1: So then unpack for us this crucial problem of leadership in big corporations, because they're so focused on outcomes, because they're so focused on results, because we made a promise to the stock exchange, if we are a listed entity, that these are going to be our numbers. And if we don't achieve those numbers, then then the leaders get hauled over the coals. How... What has been your journey in terms of handling the fear? Because, as I said at the top of the show, you know, the mind medicine program, the more passion you have, the more you come from your heart space, from your soul, your spirit, the less fear dominates. So what's been your journey in handling the fears as you've gone along in the fear of particularly the fear of failure, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of rejection?
2: Well, as you know, in the early stages of my career, I wasn't great at it. Um, As things progressed, as I started to know myself and I dispelled a lot of my own personal fears, because if I'm turning up to the office thinking, oh, it's all about my money or all about my income or all about my status or my title, as I dispelled those objectives in my career, in my life, in my personage, um, I took on a different persona and I think, I, I simply became less fearful of life. And even now, and I've been out of that world for four plus years, I'm even more evolved now than I was back then. You know, I, I've, I, it, this is a never-ending journey of evolution. As you, begin, as you start this journey of interacting with your soul, your universe, you, you constantly question your beliefs and what they're leading you to behave like. As you become more aware, so your fears diminish um, and your needs diminish, you know. There's a good you, line. Exactly everybody,
1: everybody, please note, when you become more aware, your fears diminish. I just wanted to underline that statement. It's a very profound principle, so keep, so keep going. Sorry to well, interrupt, but I just wanted to make you, sure that people got that.
2: You taught me about passion, um, and passion comes from the soul. When, when you actually delve into your soul, your soul has no fear. If you connect to it, you actually lose all your fears. They don't They don't exist anymore. They actually don't. Um, but getting there is quite a, well, it depends on your level of evolution as to how, how hard it is to get to that point. But for me, it was, well, I'm nine years in and I think I'm pretty close. But it's, you know, it, it was a difficult journey because my mind kept wanting control and it was the thing creating the fears and it didn't want to let the fears go because that's what gave it a job in effect <laughs> yes. controlling my fears so as yes. I became closer to the soul and this is what is probably my third book is about is there are three different states you can live completely from your mind which is a lot of people's place or you can be on that spiritual journey where you live your mind but at the same time, you understand the soul and you interact with it sometimes. You might go into meditation and you feel stuff. And that's where most spiritual people are. But what is not understood very widely is that you can become your soul 24-7, 365 days of the year. That's a very advanced place to be, but it can be done. And once you get there, you can dispel fears completely. And you mm. become pure love as a person. And that doesn't mean anyone walks on you because the soul has its own, it's very centered. It knows who you are. You become very aware of what you are, who you are, what you stand for as a person and as a leader. And it, it sets you apart from others because um, you, you can tap into your truth. That's the big word
1: you hungry, then. Truth. That's right. That, that word, that word, truth. That, that's what TNT Radio is about. But you're now, you're now, sound like you're talking about integrity.
2: Yeah. You you because if you time.
1: don't, if you don't know yourself, how can you act with integrity?
2: That's right. And integrity comes from the heart, mind, and body all being
1: one. So that- one story about you that always intrigued me, and I think is a very instructive one, is your what, what your dentist did with you, which was a totally surprising outcome. And I've, I've had lots of conversations with people on health about unusual way, unusual solutions to problems. Tell us about, tell us about that journey with the non-conventional thinking dentist. We've got a couple of minutes to just, you know, I really want to touch on it because that was a brilliant, brilliant way of solving a problem, totally unpredicted.
2: Um, Well, there was a a few initial forays. One of of the things that kept happening when I had this this physical disorder was my jaw muscles kept cramping every three seconds. My jaw would dislocate every three seconds. And so some days I would get out of bed and I have to go to the dentist to have my jaw opened so I could eat. And this happened quite often. Uh, There were originally dentists who told me, well, why don't you just sleep sitting up in a bed? Sit up, then your jaw will fall forward, then it'll probably go away. Do you know how hard it is to sleep sitting up? It's like being in a plane every day of your life. But then I found a dentist who was in Melbourne who actually understood this disorder, and he realized he he came to terms with the fact that a lot of these problems came from the muscular structure of your head, and you could alter the muscular structure by changing the positioning of your teeth of your jaw, of making your head longer, in effect, so that my muscles in my head my upper neck didn't go into a cramp 24-7. He was the first person who started to help me physically, but I had to also contribute um, in my belief structures, as I said before. I, I had to take away the ultimate cause of this was me. You know, they were the symptoms. He was addressing my symptoms. But I wouldn't have grown this way and had this issue if I'd had greater self-awareness through my life and if I'd been more relaxed within myself. I caused it.
1: Yes, I think that's a I think that's a lovely I think that's a lovely deep understanding of the journey that you have been on. That dentist gave you some relief. Louise Hay, famously known for her first book, You Can Heal Your Life, and Hay House published my first book, Passionate People Produce. Her awareness around those issues, from all of the pain that she went through, when you look at Louise Hay's journey, it's as painful as yours was. And I'm so grateful I didn't have to have the pain that you went through. But just for many of us, you know, there's an interesting question of of, uh, why we have the parents that we do. But I was lucky that I had a very wise father and mother and so I had a different I had a different journey, you know, from an early age. I was told I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have the pressure that a lot of people have and that you had, that you had expectations. Now I've only got a few minutes left, Mark. One
2: one on. comment, Charles. I realized that I not only created that issue, I chose it. I chose that major medical condition, believe it or not, before I came to before I was born. So it was there to show me my strength. It it was my greatest Pain in my life, but my greatest jump was beating it, and it made yes. me see my inner strength. So yes, I don't resent it now. I'm proud of it.
1: Yes, I think that's that's another good thing. Don't resent what's happening to you. Explore what you know how we're creating it because we are creating it. So these days, what are your three? What are three rituals that you follow for good mental, physical, spiritual health? three, maybe four. What's, you know, what are the core elements of keeping your entity that we can see now <laughs> in good shape?
2: The first one is I am in constant communication with my soul. I talk every five minutes. If anything happens, I am constantly, some people might do this through meditation. i found I've got more evolved. I can just hear it talk to me. So I, I, I'm my intuition is very strong now I think the other thing is I go to nature every morning I go to the beach at six o'clock every day and I sit in nothing I simply contemplate my life and I look for inspiration and I learn from nature nature is a great place to be uh, to discover yourself because there's no interruptions around you and you are nature. You are a part of nature. When you look at a beach, we can think, oh, wow, look at the beach. It's beautiful. We are part of that landscape. And I think the third thing is love. The big thing that I, and I'm not talking about romantic love because I'm single, but I only do things in my life now that I love. If, If I don't love it, I don't do it. Now, that's easy mm-hmm. for me, my age and stage, but I don't I don't choose things I don't love to do anymore and that's put me in a place of self-love because self-love is the the big thing that we mainly lack and it causes a lot of our pain, it's self-worth. I didn't have a high self-worth for 53 years. I do now.
1: Yes, it's, it's a very powerful idea, isn't it, that... If you don't love yourself, or well, the the truism he said, and I'm interested in your comment on this, if you don't love yourself, then you can't believe that someone would love you, and therefore, despite people wanting to love you, you reject them because of that of that conflict with your own belief. what What's your view on that?
2: If you don't believe in self-love, then ultimately you believe in the, the concept of separation. You believe in the separation from God. You believe in the separation from nature. You believe in the separation from other people. My life was a train wreck with relationships falling apart. Why? Because deep down in myself, I had a belief in not unity consciousness. I had a belief in separation. Yes. And therefore, I, again, was causing all these problems. And And it was because I was separate within myself. I wasn't connected to my own heart. Therefore, I was separate. Therefore... My inner reality became my outer reality, and I was causing it. See, I had to take responsibility for everything. I couldn't blame others for my relationship failures. I caused them.
1: Yes. I believe that's, that's a wonderful point to close this because we've only got one more minute left. The, the producers will wrap us over the knuckles. Mark, your first book, Where Your Happiness Hides, It's Closer Than You Think is the subtitle, and then Show Me the Harmony discover the true superpower of new age leaders. And there's a wonderful picture of an orchestra. And I love the metaphor of an orchestra. Um, I'm trying to think who the conductor is. Benjamin, somebody who runs team building programs. I use music, I'm a, I've been a professional musician. And um, that the conductor of an orchestra has to deal with all the different plays. They all do different things. They've all got, you know, it's, it's quite, a, quite a challenge. Bring people together to achieve wonderful outcomes. Thank you, Mark, so much for being with us. Get these books. First five will get a free book. Mark will send it to you, autographed. Um, have a wonderful week. Remember, do not comply. The science is never settled. You can find my show, The Charles Kovesh Show, on YouTube or Rumble. Make sure you live with passion, find your passion, and embrace the pain that you have, and take Mark Worthington's lessons to heart. Thank you for being with us. See you next week.